Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 27, and it says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard for me? You know, I love it when God sort of gives one of those like dad rhetorical questions. Like, how is Jeremiah really supposed to answer that question? Like, you know, it's like when a kid's in trouble and your dad and you've done something and you tried to get away with it, but your dad's caught you and your dad's like, do you really think I'm that stupid? And you, ha- and you just sort of have to stand there going, no, no. But it's just one of those dad questions. But um, the title of my message this morning is God's Got This. God's Got This. You know, the last probably year for me has been a bit of a, a roller coaster. Um, I've had some incredibly amazing, awesome moments and, and I've seen God's blessing and I've seen God do amazing things, but I also had some incredibly hard, incredibly difficult, sad moments and it just feels like the last 12 months, like sometimes it's even in a day, I'll go from being on top of the world to being down in the pits and it's just... The whole year, it's just been, I, I, at the start of the year, um, in November last year, I got married, which was amazing. Um, I, um, I've, I've been blessed with extra work. I've been blessed financially. I've been blessed with a, a, a new car. But I've also had some incredibly sad, difficult moments that have been one of the, some of the hardest situations that I've had, ever had to face, some of the saddest situations. But also, like, I think we often forget how the little frustrations can get to us really quickly. Like, just little things that, that might be only significant to you, but they're still, still frustrating and still heartbreaking and, and sad. And, you know, I find it a little bit disturbing in myself how quickly I can go from being on top of the world and I'm like, God, thank you, you're amazing, I feel so blessed, to going very quickly like, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to me? And it's like, we forget so quickly that, that God is doing something amazing in our life and we forget that He's actually in control. Like, what's going on? Like, it seems hard and it seems terrible, but He's actually got it. And I sort of have, when I get down in, down in the pits, I sort of have two responses. Two responses. My go-to two responses are complaining and sulking. Uh, it's a particular bad one. I just, I just complain and, and sulk and I'll spend days just sort of moping about. And the other thing I do, the second response when things aren't going my way, I automatically start questioning myself, going, oh, maybe if I just prayed a little bit more, maybe if I just have a little bit more faith, maybe if I did this, maybe if I did that. Like, I've sort of come to this conclusion that God can't do anything without me. And like, I have to, maybe if I was just a little bit cleverer, maybe if I was just a little bit. And these two responses, and God's sort of over the, I've gone in the, just in like the past maybe month and a half, I've been going through both of these things at the same time in, in different situations, but both of them in the same time. And I felt like God's had two responses for me. For my sulking and whinging, I felt God's just come and said, Luke, you need to, I've got this, you need to just keep going. You need to stop complaining, stop whinging, stop sulking and keep going. Very gently, very, God always, is always very gentle, but, but that. The second thing 
that I have felt God in, in, in the other situation is God's come and said, I want you to focus. I've got the rest. You just need to focus on what I've called you to do. And these are the two things that I want to talk about this morning, about God's two responses to me and how and, and what he's trying to bring out of that. And, I, and that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. So my first one is just keep going. Just keep going. And sometimes that's really hard, but I'm going to share a story with you and, it, and it's going to seem like the most first world, millennial, um, ungrateful thing ever, but stick with me and you'll just catch some of my, my little frustrations, my little things. But so... Um, at the beginning of this, uh, just about a month ago, we, me and Ash got a new car, and everyone's like, man, this is going to be one of those things. But <laughs> me and Ash got a new car, and we'd been talking about getting a car this whole year. God had put it on our heart that that, that was something that we were to do. And when we first talked about it at the start of the year, I was like, okay, I jumped on the websites and I'm looking through all the secondhand cars. And because my wife is way more faithful than me, she's like, no, I think we need to get a new car. And I'm like, no, that's way too expensive. Like, I'm not, I, like, but Ash was faith-filled and, and I wasn't and she was right and I was wrong. And <laughs> so, so we went, so uh, I did my research, I looked into all these cars and I finally picked two that I was really liked and they had good reviews and we went and looked at them and we finally picked one and I was still like, it was so much money and I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm, and I was wrestling with it. A couple of days after looking at the cars, I get a call from the car dealership that this, they offer me this price that's insane. Like, I, I didn't think it was possible. It was way cheaper than I expected. I, I had no idea, so I went around and I got some advice. And they, the person that I asked for advice, they called me back and they said, listen, this price is amazing. Like, it's not happening anywhere else. Um, it's a one of a kind. And the guy that is selling you the car, he's a Christian. He's amazing. He's going to look after you. And for me, that was like confirmation. Like, okay, we're making the right decision. Thank you. So the same day, we go to the bank and we start talking to the bank teller. And the lady's there and she's asking us all the questions about getting a loan and all these things that the bank does. And the process goes along, and I'm just like, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, this isn't going to happen. Like, she's taking forever. She's got this look on her face. And she's like, at the end, she's like, look, I don't know what's going on. This, this isn't coming together. I really think that you might be better off looking at a cheaper car. And that really bugged me when she said that. I just was like, what do you mean? This is like, this, is a, this price is amazing. And, and so we left, the, and she's like, look, I'm going to give it to my supervisors. I'll go through it and we'll give you a call next week sometime. So I go through the whole weekend and I just sulked the whole weekend. <laughs> I just whinged and moaned. I felt a bit like a kid who had just been given a beautiful right, bright red balloon and it was all big and I'm walking along with it and someone's just come along with a pin and just popped it. You know, like gut-wrenching, like, and you're just standing there with this thing and you were so hopeful about it and it's just gone. Anyway, to get, I'll keep this story moving because I feel like I'm wasting way too much time. But eventually, the bank calls us back and says, actually, we were wrong. We made a mistake in your application. Not only are you fine to borrow the money, but we have no concerns about you paying it back, which was amazing. So we got the car. It was amazing. Had the car for two weeks, and some 
surfer dude in his combi van sideswipes me at an intersection. And it felt like getting punched in the guts. I was devastated. I had to, and the worst part wasn't so much that this guy hit me, it was that I had to ring Ash and tell her at six o'clock in the morning that this had happened. And I was ringing Ash and she was still in bed and I'm like, I got sideswiped. And she's like, what? (laughs) And then she was like, at least it wasn't me. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I still have no idea why this happened, but I remember I came in on Monday. This happened, I got sideswiped on a Sunday. I came in and I work all by myself on Monday. I'm here all by myself. There's no one here. And I just spent like the whole morning just walking around the building, cleaning and sulking. Uh, I've never been in a car accident. I had no idea what to do, who to call, all the whole process. Like never, it never happened to me before. And I'm just walking around moping, vacuuming and moping, mopping the floor. And I'm just like, God, why did you do this? How could you do this? And I have no idea. I still have no idea why. I still have no idea why, but I feel like if it's anyone in, in the book of Mark, there's a story about the disciples and they, they get in a boat and Jesus goes to sleep and while they're in the boat, a storm comes up. Now, the disciples have just seen Jesus feed like 5,000 people and do this amazing miracle and then the storm comes up, Jesus is asleep and they start freaking out and eventually they wake Jesus up and they're like, are you really going to let us die? And Jesus is like, Jesus just stops the storm and they're still wondering who he is. Like, I feel like that so many times. Like, God's just done this amazing thing and given us this amazing price that no one else is offering and provided us with this almost miraculous sort of car. And I'm still standing there going, God, why did you do this? Like, how could you? Like, and on the Monday after I spent half a day moping and praying, I just felt God say, And I've worded my sermon nicely, but really what God said to me was like, Luke, just get on with it. Like, just get on with it. I've got this. I'm in control. I know what's going on. I know how this situation is going to get sorted. It's it's a little thing. Like, just get on with it. Stop moping around. Like, just keep going. And, you know, I was thinking about this story and and, and thinking about what what was going on, and, and I read... Romans 8.28, and we've all read Romans 8.28, but it says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And I was thinking about that verse, and 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 God dropped another verse onto my heart out of 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And he said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so Christ's power may rest on me. This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I was thinking about those two verses, and like, at first they didn't seem to go together. They didn't seem to make sense to me at all. But the more I thought about it, and, I, and, and these words caught me out. God works for the good of those who love him. God works for the good of those who love him. And those words kept, kept ringing out to me. And I, I was thinking about Paul and, and his delight in his weakness and in insults and hardships. And I was trying to comprehend how that works together. And the more I thought about it is that I think sometimes God just wants us to experience life. 
Like, we might not understand the, the rhyme and reason. Like, I don't know why this stuff happened to me. Maybe it's to give me a little bit more patience. Maybe it's to, to give me a little bit more kindness. Maybe it's just a really good sermon story. I don't know. But I know that God is going to do something good out of it. But for me to see the good, for me to see what he's trying to bring out of it, I have to do life with him. When, when you love someone, you don't sort of do life and then come back. You do life with them. You do life close to them. And God says for those who love him, like I might not see the reason why the bad stuff is happening right now, but maybe God is trying to bring something out. Maybe it's just he wants me to experience life so that he can bring something out of that. You know, I was, I was listening to a podcast a few weeks ago and it was a, a medical doctor, a family doctor, and he was talking about like sort of general health stuff. And he, he sort of said that in the US, um, that in, even though we have all these amazing medical advancements happening at the moment, that we are starting to see one of the most unhealthy generations coming out at the moment. And these are what some studies are starting to show. And it, basically both physically and mentally, we're seeing a really unhealthy generation because... And basically what doctors are starting to see, the trend is that because kids are so incredibly sheltered that they don't really learn how to deal with life. And like he was saying, like, it might seem like a really good idea that you take a kid and you put them into a clean room and lock them in there and they can never get hurt and never get sick and you control every interaction they have. They'll never get bullied. They'll never get picked on. But what that leaves you with is a kid who has no immune system, no way of coping or dealing with life. But we so often ask God to do that for us. Like every time I find myself, every time I get sick, every time some guy sideswipes me, I'm like, God, can you just fix this? Can you just deal with this? I don't want to deal with it. And, and if God, I'm like, if God fixed every prayer that I had made, I would be so disconnected from the real world. Like I would be so, I'd have no compassion, no understanding. And when I think about, when I think about the calling that Jesus gave us, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as you love yourself and go forth and make disciples. Like when I think about, I used to think that go forth and make disciples meant go and preach at people. But now more and more I've come to understand that that means do life with people. And if I can't, if I can't experience some hardships, if I can't experience some things that are going to make me uncomfortable, some things, how am I supposed to relate to the person that doesn't know God? You know, we need to build up our immune system to life to going, hey, I need a, another layer of compassion. I need another layer of, of, of dealing with difficulty. I need another layer of, of trust in God. I need another layer because then I'll be able to go out and go, actually, I've been through something like that. Yeah. I've been through something like what you're going through. And, and God did this thing for me. That people are even just doing life, people are gonna see us going through those sort of things and like, how are you so hopeful? How are you so, like, we're going to be different, but it comes from walking close with God and loving Him and listening for that voice. The second part of my, my, my sermon this morning is stay focused. Stay focused. You know, um, I've been running youth for just over two years now, and um, term three every year, 
Term three every year has been our sort of slowest term and it's been the term that I've wrestled with the most. It seems like everyone is just busy in term three. There's sports carnivals, there's exams, there's um, practice things. Kids are just tired in general. Kids seem to get sick in term three more. Like it just seems to be a trend that we have. And every year, right from when I took over youth, this is my third term three as running youth. And on, on all of those th- three terms, we have our lowest numbers. So we normally go from term two, we have like 15 to 20 kids, to term three, we have like five to seven kids every week. And it's just a trend. And I, I, I always struggle with it. And I get to, to term three, and I'm like, oh, maybe if I just had a better program. Maybe if I just prayed harder. Maybe if I did what that church down the road is doing. Maybe if if I did what that other church is doing. Maybe if I did what that church on the internet was doing. Maybe if I tried this. Maybe if I preached better. Maybe if I was more fun. And I I just struggle with this the whole term. And these are the thoughts that are going through my head. And there's a story in, in 1 Kings, a story about Elijah. And God calls him to go up the side of a mountain. And as he's standing on the side of the mountain... God, um, fire passes by, but God wasn't in the fire. And then the wind passes by and God wasn't in the wind. And then there's an earthquake and God wasn't in the earthquake. And Elijah's standing there and, and then there's a whisper. And like, I think sometimes it's so easy to miss what God is doing, like just to miss that simple whisper because we're too busy chasing the fire and too busy chasing the earthquake and too busy chasing the wind. And like the reality for me, this term, is there's so many things that I almost missed. There's so many things that I almost missed. You know, we had um, a family from our church. I have been trying to get their kids to come to youth for two years. Two years, I'm inviting them. They're amazing kids. I love hanging out with them. But I've just never been able to get them. I think in the past two years, I've got them to come once. And this term, out of the blue, they just showed up and they came for like half a term until the end of term. And I'm like, I've been trying so long. I almost missed that. I almost missed the significance of that. Like we had two girls give their life to Jesus and I almost missed that. I always miss the significance of that. Like every week we had five to seven kids that, that we had the best conversations with. Yeah. We had the most open and direct conversations. We had the best times of connection that we had. But I almost missed that because I was too busy chasing the fire and too busy chasing the earthquake and what someone else is doing. And like, I think it's so important that we just stay focused in Philippians 3, 15 and 16 in the message, it says, So let us keep focused on the goal, those of us that want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Like, Let's keep focused on the goal that God has put in front of us. Let's run in our lane, in our, um, our um, sphere of influence. You know, I, I read a quote on the internet a few weeks ago, and it's, it's a little bit rude, and I apologize, but it re- the quote read, when God called you, he factored in your level of stupid. <laughs> you know, that, that's a little bit encouraging for me. Like, when God called you, he factored in your level of stupid. When God called you, he factored in your level of, 
He, he factored in your lack of patience. He factored in your inability to stay focused on one task. He, he factored in your stubbornness, your, your short, quick temper. I don't know, whatever it is, he factored it in when he called you. And I think the truth is that we just need to stay close to God and focus on what he's put right in front of us and stop looking over there and looking over there and looking for the fire and the earthquake and just do life with him. Because the truth is that God doesn't whisper because he wants us to miss what he's saying. He doesn't whisper because he wants us to sort of make it really difficult for us to hear what he wants us to do. No, he whispers because he wants us to be in close. He wants us to do life walking with him, listening to, because when we're doing life close, then you catch the Father's heart. And, and, and when you go through the trials and the struggles and, and, and when those things hit you, because you're close, he's able to pick you up straight away. He's able to dust you off. Like, say, so sometimes he's going to let you face some stuff because it's going to be good for you in the end. It's going gonna, it's gonna to bring something amazing. It's going to give you something extra that you're going to be able to bring to, to your sphere of influence. But he's also going to be the God that, that picks you up. There's no father that, that just lets their kids struggle. Like, every dad picks their kids up, brushes them off, and helps them keep going. And, like, I, I just feel this... Um, I'm going to share this one last verse, and it's out of Nehemiah chapter 6, if the band want to come back. And I, I shared this last time I preached, but I want to share it with you again. And it says, they were trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work, and, they, and it will not be completed. But I prayed, and now strengthen my hands. And you know, I truly believe, and I, and I, and I preached, last time I preached, I said this, but it's not by giant steps of faith that, we do, that amazing things happen. It's by daily steps of faithfulness. And that, that prayer, like that verse has been a verse that has been stuck on my heart. Like every time I open my Bible, I feel like that verse is staring me in the face. And you know, it, it has, it's not just a token prayer. Like it has become a prayer that I pray regularly because I know that if I'm doing life close with my God, that when the struggles come, when things get hard, when things get uncomfortable, I can just reach out. He's right there and I can just go, God, strengthen my hands. And I can keep going and keep focusing on what He's called, to, called me to be. But I want to encourage you, we need to do life close to God so that we can, we can hear that whisper, so we can hear those steps. And when things get hard, He's right there to pick us up. We're not out somewhere. We're not out away from where He is, but we're doing it because the truth is that God has got this. God is in control of this situation and it might not make sense right now, but he's got this. And if we can live life out of a place of knowing that he's got this, knowing that he's in control, it's uncomfortable, it's hard, but God's got this. God's got this. Things don't seem to be going the way that I would like them to do, but God's got this. You know, Luke, Luke chapter 22, verse 42, Jesus says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me yet not my will, but yours be done. That's the attitude I want to have. Like, it's hard. And Jesus knew what was coming, but he knew God had it. He knew God. He just knew that God's got this. And I don't want to live out of a place where it's not my will, but God's will. Because God's got this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you are a God that's in control. 
you're a God that's got this. You know the plans and purpose that you have for us. And, and God, I just pray right now that we would be a church that more and more goes, God, not my will, but your will. God, you've got this. You're in control. I don't understand. It's hard, but you've got this. And God, I pray as if you want me to keep going, God, I pray that you walk with us. That, that as we go through our trials, God, that, that you would be walking right beside us, that we'd be listening. Our hearts and minds would be listening for that whisper. And we'd lean into you, God. And as it gets hard, God, strengthen my hands, but let's keep going. God, that you would strengthen us to keep going. We just thank you for this in your heavenly name. Amen.